You're listening to the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the world-leading tech incubator, the DMZ. In this podcast, each episode brings in the movers and shakers of the world to cover leadership mentality, tips for business owners, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's your host, Canada's leading podcaster, CPA and business strategist, Robert Gold, managing partner at Bennett Gold LLP. Once again, from high atop the Movers and Shakers Podcast Center in Toronto, live in the morning, we're way off to the east. I can see Plaster Rock, New Brunswick. I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accountants and CPAs in Toronto, and this podcast is brought to you by the DMZ, the world leading tech accelerator at dmz.ryerson.ca. Today, this is fabulous. I'm so excited. Claude Gay is with us. Claude is the President and General Manager, IBM Canada. Claude, welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast. Thank you so much. Glad to be with you, Robert. You know, Claude, you're an interesting story because you started off as president and general manager of IBM in Canada in May, just as this ridiculous pandemic was taking hold. So let's step back. Why don't you tell us how you came to be the president of IBM Canada and what has your experience been as the leader of a global tech company now during a worldwide pandemic? There's two broad questions, and let me start with the first one. I'm an industrial engineer by trade. I started my career in the 80s in IBM in sales, system engineer, and then as a uh, representative, and then move on to marketing, solution executive, uh, last year as a consultant in 2000. Then I left IBM, uh, went into the startup world. Yeah, I led a uh, IT company, tech, in the uh, travel transportation. I was then a CIO for a large apparel company and then moved back again to another startup life in marketing technology. Before I came back to IBM in 2012, what's important is what I learned from that is people is more important than process, process more important than technology. Those are the three main ingredients of any transformation. First people, second process, third technology. My work in the startup world and the different jobs allowed me to learn to be versatile, agile, scrappy, and also know that learning is probably the most important skills in a career. Let me just say for a sec, Claude, you don't often think in the real world, we don't think of IBM as scrappy. Were you able to bring your scrappy disposition into IBM in that first year? Absolutely. And really, when I came into the position right at the beginning of the pandemic, this agile and scrappiness was the most important thing. And frankly, I've seen it across industries. I saw it in IBM. I saw a bunch of IBMers that were innovative, versatile, adapting to the situation. They were being very resourceful, smart, resilient, caring. And I've been so impressed you know, I had to do that, but by the thousands of IBMers across the country that were doing the same thing. So we were all positively surprised by how we were able to do that. And frankly, other organizations across the country were able to do that at the same time. And while they were doing that, for IBM, they were doing that for our clients, but we were also doing that for our society. I saw IBMers while they were, you know, taking care first of the IBMers so that they could take care of the clients. They were also taking care of communities. I mean, I saw IBMers making masks, delivering groceries, supporting local school teachers, parents, you know, becoming the help desk in many cases, teaching STEM classes and coding for kids. I mean, so it's been 
an awesome experience, not only for me, in difficult times, for sure, for the old IBM team across the country. You know, I wanted to ask you what IBM looks like today compared to, say, a year ago, pre-pandemic. In the last little while, I've had discussions with a number of people around this transition economy, transitional culture, and the target year really we need to think about is probably sometime in 2022. So compared to today, which is scrappy, figuring out how to survive, how to serve our clients and ourselves, how does IBM today look compared to how you think it's going to look in 2022, my, my real target year? I mean, within 10 days of the pandemic, we had 95% of our workforce working from home, and then and we veer to working with our clients, help them, you know, setting up their network. We're still doing a lot of that supporting. I mean, some of the transition still going on in some cases, but more importantly, how do you deliver transformative projects with our clients using virtual technique? How do you go from having a co-innovation garage with a nice facilities to being able to do that in the virtual world? And actually, one of the things that it taught us, Robert, we're going to use in the future in 2022 to use your question is... We're now able to work and co-innovate with world-class designers and technical experts from around the world. So at a moment's notice, we're able to draw on the best in the world, experts in design, architecture, data science, AI, automation, cloud, blockchain, name it, you know, with the resources that we have with, you know, 400,000 people plus around the world find the best and bring them at a moment's notice because the virtual world allow you to do that. So that's kind of on the delivery side. And then on our people side, you know, we had to do regular town hall, ask me anything session, virtual concert. And actually what has impressed me is the sense of belonging in the virtual world of everyone feeling together actually is something in the past that you couldn't do, right? We can't have a town hall with everyone in person in Toronto. What about the people in Nova Scotia? What about the people in BC? It has allowed us to discover how we can do that. So I think we're going to take some of those good learnings from the virtual world and we're going to bring some of those into 2022, even though in 2022, we're going to, again, be able to uh, work together face-to-face -face because there are elements of productivity that are better face-to-face -face of human interaction and communication. So I think we're going to be in an hybrid world on a go-forward basis where we're going to take some of the lessons learned the good things that we learned through COVID and marry that with the good things also in the physical world that we've known. The other thing that I can say that we've discovered is the generosity of our employee. We just finished our campaign, our employee charity fundraiser. Our employees this year donated more than in the year before. And this was actually fundraising in the virtual world. So there's this sentiment of helping community, society, I think that was sensitivity that was created uh, during the pandemic. So I think that's going to carry forward also, Robert, in 2022. Oh, I think you're right. And I think it filters down from the Fortune 500 companies like yourself, the smaller firms, etc. I, I see a whole different approach this year to charitable giving, especially around the holiday season. Now, let's talk about innovation. IBM has a ton of stuff going on in the world of cloud computing and AI, artificial intelligence. How do you and how does IBM define innovation? Innovation for us is one of our three core values. 
right? And they cannot stop in a crisis. And, and actually, the pandemic has, has actually accelerated much of the innovation because innovation also comes from solving big challenges. I mean, we love challenges on a good day. So imagine during the pandemic, you actually have more of those challenges presented to you. So from that standpoint, huge focus on innovation, innovation to solve pandemic problem, to solve business problem. I think the other important thing that I need to tell you is that for us, it's important that innovation also be done in a good tech fashion. We think innovation should be to helping mankind. So for example, we've actually developed artificial intelligence, AI, that we apply on AI. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about using AI to detect biases into models that would have been built with artificial intelligence. So for example, if you have a model to be able to do mortgage lending. If there is a bias in the mortgage lending AI algorithm, you need to be able to detect that and to make sure that you're being just in society. So that's a good example of good tech innovation. And it's, it's a good example of people, process, and technology being put to good tech innovation. I, I really like that. Tell me something, IBM's cloud computing, how is it helping businesses, researchers, and educators innovate themselves? In this pandemic, we've seen an acceleration of digital transformation. And the two most important things that IBM bring to the table would be our hybrid cloud capabilities, strategy, solutions, and our AI. So I just talked a little bit about AI, but let's talk about cloud. Why do we talk about hybrid cloud at IBM? Because we know that organizations, clients have their own infrastructure, there's a desire and good reasons to move to the cloud, but we're going to be in an hybrid cloud, which is multiple cloud, software as a service, public cloud, application native, as well as your own established application. We're going to need to work through that and manage through that and have security through all of that. On top of that, we're actually bringing infrastructure, a multi-zone region in Canada for data to reside in Canada to be able to uh, allow businesses and researchers to actually have that information, that processing be done in Canada sometime when you're working on medical or more sensitive information. That would be a good example. The other one is in quantum computing, which is probably the next big emerging technology. We've got a quantum innovation hub, we call it, in Sherbrooke, where we're actually working with University of Sherbrooke with startups, with IBM Research, to actually focus on some of the big problems that we'll be able to solve, including COVID-19 related, which we're going to be able to solve in the future using quantum computing. That's a broad range going from the cloud all the way to the new quantum computing, which is available through the cloud, by the way. You know, I love quantum computing. It sounds like we're talking about Buck Rogers. Now, COVID-19 has forced <laughs> entire industries to undergo extreme digital change, extreme transformation. And there's been a real need for businesses and society to respond with agility, resilience, unity. What do you see as the main challenges that businesses and communities have experienced due to the pandemic where agility, resilience, and unity are challenged? I would say it in six broad categories where we're helping businesses and we're seeing the needs through this, both the, the pandemic and the digital acceleration, the phenomena, uh, which I believe is going to stay in the future. 
first, accelerate agility efficiency, which you talked about, Robert, engaging customer anywhere, enhancing IT resiliency and business continuity. And we've sure discovered that in the pandemic, protecting yourself against, you know, new cybersecurity risk, because there's been a massive increase, particularly with people working from home, some using their own devices, building resilient supply chain and operation, as we've seen, for example, as it was food-related. Now we're going to see it with the vaccine distribution where supply chain is very important. And then empowering this remote workforce that we have. And if you believe like me that we're going to be in an hybrid world in the future, we're still going to have significant remote workforce and we're going to help some of them return to the workplace with confidence also. So that addresses solutions then, the types of solutions that IBM might offer organizations and communities to help them accelerate the recovery and build a better future within the community, within their corporate culture. What, what kind of solutions does IBM bring to the table there? So let me give you three examples that are very timely. One is with the city of Markham, for example, they were getting thousands of phone calls and they weren't equipped to do that as it related to COVID. So we actually deploy Watson virtual assistant using AI to actually answer in natural language, both voice and true typing to be able to handle the questions and give the appropriate answers. It significantly helped the city of Markham do that. We've developed another product called Watson Works, which actually used data-driven insight for employers to make decisions on workplace reentry, safety, facilities management, space allocation. And then the last one, very timely also, is Panorama, which is a vaccine inventory management solution that we developed a few years ago as it related to SARS at that time to be able to manage, you know, vaccine inventory and, and distribution. And nine of the provinces across the country actually have that solution deployed. That, to me, is exciting. But let me ask you a rabbit hole question, which we may or may not leave in the final production. Why do you think Jeopardy chose Ken Jennings and not a Watson computer to take over Jeopardy? <laughs> I watched Ken Jennings Angel? versus Watson a number future. of years ago. I know. I remember that. And, and actually, you'll find that Watson is getting a lot smarter. Today, for example, CIBC announced that Watson will be powering their personal banking online capabilities where Watson will be able to assist CIBC consumer process banking transaction or the appropriate banking transaction and request it to Watson in uh, plain language. Yeah, I, so, think, I think Watson is very exciting technology. Just to be precise, it's a series of technology, right? Think of it as very smart Lego blocks that you can assemble in different fashion depending on what you're trying to do. So versus Jeopardy, which was one of the Lego blocks, there's so much more now from image detection, recognition to natural language processing. So there's many different piece parts that you can assemble. So you're saying there was no Alex Trebek building block to plug in there? Was that the issue? <laughs> So let's talk about digital skills, Canada's workforce, and it's changing so rapidly right now. How do you think the events of this last year have changed the demand for digital skills in the Canadian workforce across the country? Even before the pandemic, Robert, we did a research that actually told us that in the next three years, as many as 120 million workers in the world's largest economies may need to be retrained or reskilled. So what the pandemic has done is exacerbated this need because organizations are accelerating their digital transformation. In a further study during the pandemic, we found out that employers 
believe that they're doing a good job or decent job rescaling, but there is a gap of many tens of points of difference where the employees are saying, no, we wish you would do more in reskilling us. So all the data is telling us that there is a gap and that skills for Canadians and around the world is extremely important. But let's talk about Canada specifically and some of the things that we're doing. So we actually have a skills-built digital learning platform that we are offering for free that actually helps learners align their skills and personality with in-demand jobs, engage in online learning. In some of the cases, working with some organization, we're actually providing guidance from IBM mentors. So we've offered that for job seekers, for nonprofit organizations, entrepreneurs in many cases. The other thing we're doing is working with colleges because this perception that I often hear is that you need a PhD to work in the world of IT. And that's not true in the future. You don't need to have a university degree for technology-related job even in the future. Yes, for some, but for others, it's not. And we're proving that we have something called Pathways to Technology, PTEC. We're working with Six Nation Polytechnic, you know, college level, Mohawk College. We're preparing people to have credentials at the high school and college level to actually be able to participate in this new digital economy or technology economy. What That's you, proven to be helpful. I really appreciate what IBM is putting out there and making available, as you say, for free. That's fantastic. And I know that with some research, people and entrepreneurs will be able to find that information. But if you put your head into the spot of an entrepreneur or manager anywhere in the country and not leading an IBM-sized company, what do you, as a leader of a medium-sized business, it's not well known, what do you need to do to ensure that everybody in your workforce is ready to benefit from the new economy. And we've heard the term new economy for 40 years now. So let's stop talking about the new economy and let's just look at the digital economy. I recently led a panel of Canadian leaders and where we actually had discussions around that. And we came out with five recommendations. One was adopt continuous learning approach. Offer micro-credential to your employees whether internally or available on the market. Design with intention, you know, create these programs that impact population, racialized communities, women, veterans to return to the workforce. Consider long-term partnership. Work with school boards or colleges and advocate for these kind of pathways to technology and participate in those. Prioritize soft skills. I think those are very important in the future. They still are important and where you need to encourage critical thinking, problem solving, conflict resolution, and also fill the network gap because a lot of people are outside of your network. So how do you diversify your network, your communities? So that applies whether you're a small, a medium, or a large business. Those are great, great suggestions. Let's focus on IBM for a second. You had a great year last year. In 2020, IBM was recognized as a top employer on both a national and global level, and you ranked third on Forbes' world's best employers list, and you were represented on the list of Canada's best diversity employers. So well done. But as far as you go, how has 2020 reshaped your leadership style besides being scrappy? So thank you, Robert, for that recognition. But I don't feel it's job done. I still believe there's a lot that needs and can be done. So from a personal perspective, it pushed me on the communication side. You know, how do I communicate with my teams and IBMers openly more often through Ask Me Anything sessions with all the IBMers, you know, virtual town halls, blogs, emails. 
because needed to palliate for this informal, you know, walking the corridors and meeting people. But that allowed me to reach out probably the 10,000 IBMers across the country in a more meaningful way than I would have in a normal year. The other thing that I focus on personally that I push myself is recognition, how to proactively, spontaneously reach out to employees to recognize their efforts and thank them. And I would say the third dimension is my personal commitment and promotion of diversity and inclusion. I mean, as we were going into the pandemic, there was this whole social injustice movement, which actually allowed me to take notice of the fact that it's okay to be a pro-supporter, but we all need to be more proactive. So it's like, I'm not a racist. No, I'm anti-racism. And what am I going to do to combat racism as opposed to just having a non-racist attitude? So push myself to be even more. Engaging employees remotely become very important through the different means, Slack, emails, video, opportunities to connect. I probably have three advice for other leaders. Mm -hmm. I would say communicate, communicate, communicate. So be proactive and open with the team and genuine and truthful. Every crisis is an opportunity would be the second one, right? No good crisis should go to waste. Innovation doesn't stop in the crisis. It's an opportunity to accelerate. And the third one would be more than ever, we need to share and learn from each other within an organization and outside the organization. That's going to allow Canada to emerge stronger. So I think you're the guy to ask this question. This has been troubling me for about six months now, and that's when it comes to new hires. How does a firm, IBM or smaller, but I know you've got this great perspective now, how does a firm successfully onboard new hires when most teams are working virtually, nobody gets to meet their superiors or their coworkers? How do we do a good job of this and keep the employees motivated and on them to the employer and their coworkers. I believe that onboarding is the same rules that I was giving about existing employee, right? So about communication, quadruple the amount of communication and reach and touch up buddy systems. Now, the good news about the buddy systems is that we've now all learned to work into a virtual world. So you can actually find the best people within the organization to actually be those buddies. It's really about the communication and the interaction that you're able to maintain culture and onboard those people. But We've changed the programs to be virtual programs. And actually, interestingly enough, just like I was talking earlier about the best technology people, experts in the world, it allows us to connect to the whole management team, for example, because I don't have to physically get everyone in the management team to come in front of these new employees. I can organize, you know, virtual session no matter where the management team is located or their colleagues. I think it's so important. That onboarding, I mean, onboarding used to be you'd show the new person where the photocopier machine was, and now who knows what onboarding means, but I I think you're absolutely right. Communication is is key to everything we're talking about today. Now, five and five, this is really fascinating to me. Every year, IBM announces a five and five, five predictions about how innovations and technology will change our future over the next five years. So what are IBM's five and five for 2021? So the 5 and 5 in 2021, technology that are going to reshape business and society in the next five years, they're informed by IBM Research Global Labs, but you won't be surprised that 
they will affect us in many ways. So here is what they are. New ways to capture carbon dioxide at the source and store it more efficiently, which would allow us to efficiently mitigate climate change. Novel processes to produce fertilizer with less environmental impact. Better batteries that actually are going to be safer and more environmentally friendly and allowed to store more. Quantum computing and AI are going to be very helpful in doing that. The fourth one would be more sustainable electronics that will allow us to be more sustainable for the planet. Our scientists and scientists in general will embrace newer approach to material design. And the fifth one would be learning from our past for a healthier future with the new antiviral so that we don't have to live, you know, the same last 12 months that we did. So it's going to help, you know, new technology, high performance computing, quantum computing is going to allow us to aid physicians to combat, you know, life-threatening viruses on a larger scale. I mean, we've seen the acceleration now with the vaccine, and some of it comes from the high-power computing, but we're going to see more of that going into the future. So it sounds like we're on the path to achieve these five goals, but is there anything that has to happen at IBM to actually make these predictions a reality? When we talk about those five and five at IBM, we're already working on them at IBM Research, where we spend billions of dollars every year, are already on the path to some of these discoveries. It's not a shot in the dark into the future. We're already seeing the progress that tells us that these are real. Well, we all applaud better batteries, I'll tell you that. That's a common <laughs> problem. Finally, Claude, how does IBM support startups in Canada? Where can a startup go today to access that support? Two things. One is, let me give you a website. We have a program that's called Startup with IBM, developer.ibm.com slash startups. Okay. As simple as that. And, you know, I talked about hybrid cloud and AI as being two of the most important underpinning technologies for the digital transformation as we go forward. These technologies are available to startups today. All you need is a laptop and a credit card. You can get the greatest amount of computing in the world that in the past would have only been available to the federal government or a large financial institution or an IBM now is available at your fingertips for a startup creation. So there's examples of there. We're working with a company called Lightship Works. They're actually in British Columbia, and they're actually using AI and Watson on the IBM cloud to design disaster response solution to give first responders and central organization up-to-the-minute insight in an emergency situation. So this is the kind of fantastic work that we're seeing startups do using the power available by companies such as ours. That's fantastic. Give us that website again, please, Claude. It's developer.ibm.com slash startups. You know, I have to tell you, until we started doing research for this interview and you and I've talked, I was not aware of all these fabulous socially responsible endeavors that IBM is taking, particularly in Canada. So well done and keep it up. Now, are you ready for the fun part of the discussion? Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Sit back, hold on to your seat. Claude, Twitter or LinkedIn? Both, but LinkedIn first. Podcast or radio? Radio for music and news. AI or blockchain? AI because of the broad applications of AI. Morning guy or night guy? Night owl. Summer or winter? Both, because I ski and play hockey in the winter, and I sail and swim in the summer. Coffee or tea? Triple grande non-fat latte. <laughs> Mac or Windows? Mac. Books or movies? 
movies because it gives me a chance to have relaxation and spend time with my wife. Now, what do you like about working remotely? One thing. Being able to get hugs between virtual conference, which I often need. When you can travel again freely with our COVID vaccination passes, where's the first place you'll go? Two places. One is I will go visit my headquarter office in Markham, which I not step foot at all since I've been appointed. And from a personal standpoint, you know, I postponed my 30th wedding anniversary. We were planning to spend in the south of France and Provence, and we're looking forward to doing that. Did you have a dream job as a kid? I wanted to be an architect. Well, you sort of are an architect. Are there three words that you would choose to describe 2020? Pandemic, digital, and transformation. Is there an industry that comes to your mind that will be gone in five years? I don't think any industry is going to be gone in five years. I think they're all going to be evolving and modified because of the technology. Okay, quick answer. Who's the most influential business person in Canada? I don't know about influential, but I can tell you that I'm heavily impressed by Kaylin Robinescu, who runs Air Canada, the resilience and the leadership in a very tough environment for an organization. Well, I think I agree with you. Claude Gay, President and General Manager, IBM Canada. Claude, thank you for being a guest on the Movers and Shakers podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Robert. It was a lot of fun. And until next time, I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accountants and CPAs in Toronto. If you want to see what a great CA firm does with people, processes, and technology, check us out at bennettgold.ca. See you next time in the morning, everyone, and good night, Plaster Rock, New Brunswick. And that's a wrap for this episode of the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit us at dmz.ryerson.ca for more tips and tools designed to support your business. Until next time.